I was flying in, landed, everything was going great. Because typically I encounter some sort of mishap when traveling. I think everybody does. You know, the plane lands, got one or two people randomly start clapping, and, and the plane kind of pulls into its little designated parking spot. And then the seatbelt sign goes up, and everybody just stands up. The doors haven't opened yet. People just stand up, you know, grab all their things from the overhead bins. And I'm just sitting down because, one, I don't have anywhere to go, and I'm sitting pretty far back in the plane. The pilot then says, okay, everybody has to get back in their seats, put on their seatbelts, because we've got to back the plane up and move it closer to this jet bridge. And here's the reason why they had to move the plane. It's because they recently came down and painted lines that indicate where the plane should be and where the jet bridge should be. And somehow those two didn't line up. (laughs) Meaning that wherever the jet bridge ends and where the plane is, it's not going to meet no matter what. So they got a... Okay, the, the lines faded. Someone came down, painted this line that says, okay, jet bridge, stop here. Planes stop here. They don't match up. And the solution is to move the plane, not the jet bridge. But the other annoying thing is that now everyone's getting upset because now it's, it's past 25 minutes that we've been waiting at the terminal. So the pilot instructs the, the cabin crew, who then instruct the, the passengers to get back in their seats, put on their seat belts, and then back up the plane and then <laughs> inch it f- uh, a, a foot to the to the one side to get to match up with the jet bridge. What that reminds me of is around here, there are so many roads where it's like they just started building the road from two different directions. Like someone in the west started building the road east and someone in the east started building the road west. And then when they finally met, they were like hundreds of feet apart. It was supposed to be like a four-way intersection, theoretically, where these two roads intersect. And instead... You're driving down the road and you see like Jones Road is intersecting in the left. And then you drive another several hundred feet down the road. And it's like, also, you can turn right on Jones Road now. Yeah. The people building Jones did a piss poor job. You, you see that so many places around here. There's so many times where the roads do that. I think that's just a way to make people drive slower. I guess it's possible <laughs> that... It's a safety reason, you know, avoiding four-way intersections, but I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah. And just the, the, the cherry on top was having the need to put our seatbelts on. Because there was a point where I just I just thought to myself, I just wanted to refuse because we're not going anywhere. Or we're not even gaining any speed. Why do I need to put my seatbelt on? You don't, really. But I did it anyway be, because the, the, the flight attendant came and like, she waited for me to like it, it, oh, really? it maybe she didn't but it seemed like she was just waiting for me to do it. i don't know if i had this look on my face and say, i'm not gonna comply uh, but i did it anyway just to avoid any any hassle yeah i mean my my feeling on a lot of those airport rules for the whole time that i've flown is like if i don't feel like doing something i'm just going to ignore the rules when, when i when i feel like it's not a threat yeah not like not a serious situation so like i go to the bathroom all the time when the bat like the seatbelt sign is still on because it's, it's like are you gonna physically prevent me from going to the bathroom like i i need to go i need to go to the bathroom the plane is not going crazy all over the place i'm tall enough that i like just easily brace myself against the you know the baggage uh 
doors and that. Oh, yeah, the Oved bins? Look, obviously, if I somehow get injured here, it's on me because I was not following the rules, and that's fine, but I have to go to the bathroom. You know, it's like a risk that I'm willing to take at that point. Do you tend to wait for the seatbelt sign to go on and then decide? Like Then like your body just says, all right, it's time to go. Because you know that you can't go or that it's against the rules to go? Like, are you just a habitual <laughs> rule breaker? It's not like I'm, I'm trying to break the rules on purpose. It's like I just disregard the light. <laughs> what I go off of is the actual turbulence in the plane, not this, this little light. Because I think that the pilots are like a little overly cautious about their, their use of the, the seatbelt light. I think they have to be. Yeah, I, it makes sense. Okay. But I, I think it's also overkill. It's overkill, and it's like, in my mind, it's just let me use my discretion to decide. It's like, all right, I'm taking all the information into account here. I've got an official recommendation of do not pee from the pilot. Thank you for that (laughs) advice. Then I've also got uh, my body, which is telling me, like, you really need to go pee very, very soon here. And uh, I'm also taking that into account. And the end result is I'm just going to get up and go pee and... I don't know that a flight attendant has ever even said anything to me about it. Because I just look like I'm just getting up and going, and I just don't pay them any mind. And if one of them did say something to me, I would just say, hey, I really got to go. And it's like, what are they What are they going to do? It wasn't until very recently within the past couple of years that they actually let you use devices, like electronic uh, right. devices. I would just disregard that because <laughs> I flew a number of times before they changed that rule and I would just ignore it because I knew that it, it, it was ridiculous from the start. You know, I, I had read about it and why it didn't make any kind of scientific sense and there was really no safety issue at all. And so I, I never turned off my devices in all the times that I flew because it was like, I just know that it's a dumb rule. Unfortunately, I didn't encounter any crazy people. I guess who I was sitting by during that time when I was breaking the rules. Cause I, I do remember hearing at least one story of there was someone like me who just ignored the rule because they knew it was dumb. And then they sat next to somebody, some lunatic who thought that like not this guy, not turning off his device was going to cause the plane to crash. And they got into like a fist fight on the plane. Ooh. Because the guy refused to turn his device off because he said the rule didn't make a difference and it was dumb. And then the other guy was like this brainwashed, you know, comrade. <laughs> Everything that the government bureaucracy uh, dictates is correct and we're all going to die if you don't turn off that iPod. And yeah, it got into like a big fight on the plane and everything. And I can't remember reading about that. And that sticks with me because I was, because I always <laughs> refused to turn my stuff off. And I was like, boy, if I run into a situation like that, it's like, all right, I'll just at least pretend to turn it off. Yeah. I, I, I don't turn off my phone, and but I'll put it in airplane mode. I, I have noticed that there was there was one time or a couple of times where I didn't turn it off or had it in, in airplane mode, and my battery just drained so quickly. Yeah, that's the reason to turn it on airplane mode is because you don't have a signal, and so your, your phone will constantly be trying to get a signal by pouring a bunch of uh, power into the antenna to try and boost your signal, and it's not going to work. And it was only until a few years ago, I think about four years ago, where I, I sat next to someone who happened to work for an airline, and he did the same thing you did, and I and I just asked him, 
we were chatting throughout the flight and then upon landing he didn't put his phone in any like he just carried on using his laptop and and I, I asked him so is that rule for real because I, I figured okay if this guy works for the airline and he's using his device there's got to be some reason for it and then he basically explained the same thing you did it's like well it may be when the rule first came out there was a small interference i don't even think that's true because all of the important instruments up in the the cabin have like a ton of shielding around them to protect against any kind of interference like that. And I think what it comes down to is what it always comes down to is the people in government who like make laws and regulations about things. If it has anything to do with anything technical, any kind of technology, you can guarantee they have no idea what they're doing. The laws and the rules reflect that. I mean, that's it's like any any time something comes up with them trying to make a law that has to do with the internet or social media or any, anything like that. It's just like the most recent example of that was when they they were just uh, laying into Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah. That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. And, and they had that, that public uh, hearing where they're questioning him and everything. And it was like, I'm, like I am no fan of facebook or mark zuckerberg i strongly dislike him and the company although ironically you know i still basically i use facebook at this point to just like share the podcast (laughs) 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 but but in general i I really don't like them but it was so bizarre because like i don't like anyone involved in this because i don't like zuckerberg but also the politicians here are just displaying such an amazing level of incompetence in their questions yeah like it's oh my god it's like can I we found not that find, amazing. could you not find anybody who could ask better questions like their staffers you know or interns or whoever who are working for them would have done such a better job questioning him than the actual elected officials would have what a joke It's because they don't know it yeah they, they don't know the details of it but I, I don't think I've ever taken out my laptop because my laptop is enormous and it's a pain in the butt. I guess the issue with the laptop is if there's turbulence or or the plane takes like a hard bank for some reason, the laptop is a heavy thing which could theoretically injure someone else. Which Which I guess is the argument against me going up to go to the bathroom is that theoretically on my way walking to the bathroom I could fall on somebody but that just doesn't seem likely to me I guess also again because I'm so tall that I think I would just hit my head on the the luggage uh, the baggage doors and not really fall onto anyone but I don't know plus the other downside with having a laptop out during landing is that you have to either hold it or it takes up room so when the plane does land successfully, you won't be able to clap. Well, the best reason to not use your laptop is that it's just a terrible experience trying to use your laptop on a plane, <laughs> right? I mean, how do you... I wouldn't physically be able to do it. My arm... My, my, I would have to have my, my elbows tucked behind my back or something just to type. <laughs> like, why would I even want to do that? A, a football player by the name of Vontae Davis. He was recently in the sports news because last week he retired at halftime. And this was week three of a 17-week 
season on top of that. So everybody was just saying this is completely classless and this is never heard of anything like this. So before I, I can supply some additional context around the circumstances, but just initial impression of when you hear ex-athlete retires at halftime, what is your initial impression of that? I, I don't think I'm the best person to ask about sports-related questions because when it comes to sports, the thing I love about it is just the game itself. All these other side things that don't really occur in the game, I don't follow, I have no idea. I don't have a negative opinion of it. The guy can retire whenever he wants to. It's not like... And, and the, re- the reason why I say that way, if I'm going to retire at work or quit my job... I'm not waiting to the end of the day. Whenever I want to do it, I'm going to do it. If it's the middle of the day, great. I'm going to do it then. It's not mid-play where he just like holds up his hand. Hey, stop, referee! Like, can we call a timeout? Then go and retire. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how it happened exactly. But so they went. In, they went into the, the locker room for halftime, and that's when he he said, "Yeah, I'm just I'm done." And yeah, left. Didn't it? Didn't come out for the. He didn't. Even, he just left the stadium. And apparently, because of the way that that the stadium works with the players and all that, you know, they're all of their cars are in a separate lot. Mm. And after the game, you know, they unlock that lot, and the guys can get their cars and all that stuff to leave. So he he literally had to take an Uber home because it was still only halftime, so he couldn't get his car yet. <laughs> oh wow, he must. That's that's the thing. I don't know the reason why yet he decided he couldn't wait it out, but something must have made it that it wasn't worth it for him. Same thing like the guy with WhatsApp. He could have waited another year and got $800 million, but he chose not to. I don't know if something sour happened that made him retire or quit. Is that the same thing? If you're playing football, do you retire or do you quit? Or are they the same thing? In sports, you retire because you're retiring from the sport. You're not quitting from an individual team. Whereas career-wise... It's the same thing. You you quit to join another company, but if you retire, yeah. you just retire right. from working. So do people think that because of the timing, he's either being selfish or like he's letting the team down? Right. Almost universally from the sports media, everybody was just hating on this guy, saying this was like the, you know such a classless thing to do, retired during halftime. And I am totally on this guy's side. I am very sympathetic for him. Specifically after you kind of learn the context of what was going on. So I I mean, because this isn't a sports show, I don't want to get too get too I'll spare people the details, but just like real quickly, basically like he used to be really good. A couple of times he was on the NFL equivalent of like the All-Star game. So he was he was a good player. He got hurt last year pretty seriously, thought he was just gonna be done, and then this other team decided to make him an offer. And the expectation was that he was probably going to be like more of just a backup guy and maybe have more of a role of like mentoring young players and that kind of thing. But then the team got had so many injuries that he ended up having to play. And because he's still he's coming off of this serious injury and he's a little older now, he wasn't playing very well and he kind of got torched on the field. And apparently he felt like you go from being this proud great athlete who's making pro bowls and that and then the next year you're like the old man out there and you've got guys just making you look ridiculous on the field and apparently it was just really embarrassing right to to be out there and in addition the team was playing really 
poorly as a whole, and it looked like the season was going to be really terrible for the team. I think he just realized, because he didn't play the first couple games of the season. So this was the first game that he had actually been playing in because of injuries to other people. So I think that's why he realized, like, when he actually went out there, it was just like, wow, I can't do this anymore. And he felt like he just wanted to let them know as soon as possible. And, and my attitude on this is, like, if somebody knows that they're done, why would you not want them to just come out and tell you, rather than having somebody be on the team who's just going to, like, phone it in and be totally disengaged and not want to be there? Yeah, no, I, I respect that. And here's the thing. No matter what this guy would have done, there's some population out there that will dislike him for it. He's not gonna make any he's not gonna make everybody happy. So I don't I don't have a problem with what he did because he did what's best for him. And if he wanted to take an Uber home, great. He knew that this was this wasn't the thing for him. And I, I, I can be sympathetic as well to the the fact that yeah, he was at one time this great player and now he's seeing like he's wanting he wants to get out with some like save some of that dignity and it's unfortunate that he did it probably to like try and maintain some level of dignity and not go out looking like a joke but then this happened and now all anyone is going to remember him for is the fact that he retired at halftime so he really just i feel i feel bad for him yeah it kind of backfired and the thing is it is not that strange to see somebody retire during the season so even him retiring after the game wouldn't have been that surprising of a thing this year that big of a deal and here's what i find the most disingenuous and annoying about all these sports people who were who were criticizing him for this as i heard there are multiple times where i heard people say like he should have just faked an injury and then you know, just hung out on the sideline for the second half saying that he, like, he pulled his hamstring or something and then retired after the game. Like, when told the coaches, like, hey, I, I can't play anymore. I'm going to have to retire. So they wanted, they, they would have preferred that he just lied and faked that he pulled his hamstring or something and then just sat on the sideline and watched the second half and then retired after the game. Which, which actually sounds like the kind of recommendation I would give based on our track record on the show, where I've talked about... I was like, just about to bring up that... Uh, was it a Lyft driver or Uber driver that went to get Wendy's or something? <laughs> so I actually would have advised him to do the same thing. Like, rather than... Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if ahead of time I would have realized how big of a deal everyone was going to make about this, but I could totally get behind that. You know you're done mentally, and you just can't go back out there. You don't want to hurt the team. So just say you pull the hammy or something and then sit out. So I, I can get behind that. But I find it ridiculous that these people are saying that and then at the same time criticizing him for being honest. He's a grown man. Yeah, okay. So, we're, so we are in agreement. Vontae Davis, you are off the hook. We do not look down upon you for retiring at halftime. Enjoy retirement. Haters going to hate. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's a regular listener of our show, so he may appreciate he that. He might be after this because we're the only ones coming to his defense. I mean, I, I equate it to work because uh, he's he's a football player. That's his job. That's his profession. If, I, if I'm going to quit or retire, I'm not waiting till the end of the day. I'll do it in the morning and then I'll go enjoy the day. <laughs> and that's what he wanted to do. This is like the football equivalent, I think, of quitting with zero notice, like rather than two weeks notice. 
probably a fairly popular thing to happen in lower paying jobs. Like if you're a cashier at a fast food place or something to just have a bad day and just be like, I'm done and just walk off the job. I mean, I know that kind of thing happens. That's pretty rare to see in like a white collar type situation. It is professional courtesy, but it does happen. I've seen it happen more frequently than I expected to. Actually, more I've seen the, hey, I'm done, I'm leaving today, more often than here's my two weeks notice. Are those are those operators though or engineers? Actually, it's more it's 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 more engineers or people work in the office. Really? Yep. Okay, that's kind of surprising. And then you can look at it on the other hand. If someone's getting fired, there's usually no. Well, in the work environment I'm in, if you're getting fired, your performance has to be poor for a designated period of time, and that time is pretty lengthy. So you know that. You've got to do, you get ample opportunity to try and change what's the problem. Unless you commit something that's against the rules or a crime, then you have to be let go right then and there. But if you're maybe not a good fit, I I haven't heard of a situation where you get told, hey, yeah, in two weeks, I think we're going to let you go. I, I actually am aware of that happening. It's pretty rare, but I've, I've known people to have that done. And usually they're like more senior people and they'll be tipped off like, hey, just so you know, we're going to have to get rid of your position. You know, they're kind of encouraged to either retire or... Yeah, to try and save face. Yeah, because it's like, hey, we're just going to, we're going to have to let you go by this this date. And because it's somebody who's been there for a while, they're less concerned about having to get rid of them immediately. The few times I've heard of someone like being tipped off, it's like a mistake that happened and then that, that person found out. And some people get very creative in what to do to either try and save their job or get a little bit more out. The most bizarre story I heard was someone injuring themselves and going on disability. <laughs> they, cannot, they cannot be fired. <laughs> wow. What level of injury are we talking about here? Uh, like broken bone. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know if I could... I don't know that I have the gumption... What's what's the word I'm I'm searching for? Here? I don't I'm know. Not, what I, word I don't you're know trying to say. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's a real word. This is like a grandparent word. I don't know that I have the cojones to intentionally like break my arm or leg or something. The arm would be more doable, I guess. A leg is a significant break. Yeah. No. Could you imagine intentionally falling downstairs or something to break your leg so that you would go on disability and they couldn't fire you? I, I, I don't want to hurt myself. I think that's just natural human behavior, just not to hurt yourself at all. So why would you intentionally do it? The second reason is, what if... Okay, I'm going to use falling down the stairs because that's a good example. If, if, if my goal is to fall down the stairs and break an arm or leg, and let's say I somehow must up the cojones to do that, what if I break my neck and then <laughs> I'm totally done? Yeah. One, it'll hurt so much, and then you're left with the the irreversible damage afterwards. So when I, when I heard the story, I, I kept thinking of what, what is going through this person's mind? And the only way I could rationalize it, and this is, this is just how I think, and it may be kind of weird, but I equated it back to food in terms of if you're hungry enough, anything will do. If you're hungry enough, boiled cabbage sounds delicious. So I wanted, what was going on in this guy where he, he he wanted it so bad? 
that he was willing to hurt himself. I mean, I guess to adjust the scenario a little bit, I mean, let's say it is an industrial environment and there's a little bit more accurate of a way to injure, injure yourself. Because falling down a flight of stairs is pretty indeterminate. Like, what, what could go wrong? You might not even get seriously injured. Or, like you said, you could just break your neck. So let's say there's something much more targeted you could do. Like, put your hand in a thing and get your hand crushed. Or have something fall on your foot to crush your foot. So the reason this story came out, or why it was proof that, hey, this guy did what he did, is there's video footage of not just... Oh, I, I, I don't want to share exactly what, what happened. But anyway, it, it was clear that it was premeditated that, okay, I'm going to do this and then intentionally injure myself. It was it was clear that oh, I'm just walking and I slipped over something and fell down the stairs or had a bunch of witnesses saying, oh, yeah, he was doing everything right, just happened to hurt himself. Yikes. Because then, then you're out of a job and you're hurt. Yeah, which is not good. I feel this 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 decision was short-sighted, not well thought of at all. Bad idea, poorly executed. You know, I guess this is especially relevant in like the post fake news era of people hearing just like crazy stories and passing them along to other people, that kind of thing. I I have had just a number of times at this point where I've been talking to somebody and they've told me just some crazy, crazy thing that's like either a conspiracy theory or just some wild-ass idea and I don't know how to handle it. And it's been strangers who I don't know very well. I've gotten it from people who I do know well. I don't want them to go on thinking that that thing they're thinking is true, but at the same time, I don't want to be... Like, I don't want to get into an argument about it. So I could I could talk about one kind of as an example. So this was a guy I was just kind of chit-chatting with. Some, somehow we got talking about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And I, was, I thought, oh, this is interesting because, you know, most people I talk to don't know anything about that. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about how it's, and I, I can't remember the exact details around it, but he was talking, it was basically saying he has a positive view of it because he doesn't like the current monetary system. And he, he doesn't like it because it's like, we've we've already got with, like credit cards or barcodes or something like that, where we've we've implemented the like the mark of the beast system from the book of Revelation and the Bible. And we're heading for like this situation of like uh the Antichrist taking over all the money or something. I, I can't I can't even remember how he described this. I was just like, alright, well this this took a turn in a in a different direction than I was expecting because it's like most people who are into cryptocurrency stuff just have kind of a libertarian streak to them so that's all i was expecting from this guy was like at worst he would just be kind of a anarchist 
maybe. Like, who doesn't believe in kind of governments and to any extent. And instead, this guy starts telling me that there are like supernatural reasons for why like he wants to invest in, in Bitcoin and, and how, you know, the devil has taken over the current monetary systems. And I was so taken aback by this that I like, I don't think I even said anything else. And I just kind of sat there and he kept talking about things and I didn't know what to say. So I just started doing something else. It feels like when this type of thing happens online, like on social media, granted, I don't spend much time on social media at this point, but I think it's probably easier to ignore. At least for me, I know some people have a difficult time ignoring it. When it happens in person, it's not like someone just wrote a comment and sent it out into the ether and it's not really directed towards you specifically or whatever. It's like if you happen to notice it or not. But when you're like actually one-on-one with somebody and they bring it up in a conversation, it's like, how am I supposed to... And I think what's going on is some of these people, like Bitcoin guy, I think they probably feel like they don't have a whole lot of people they can confide in with this stuff. I don't know. Maybe some of them are willing to tell everybody and anybody. I guess that's possible. Well, my hypothesis was this, this guy doesn't have a whole lot of people he could talk to about this. And we got talking about Bitcoin, and I somehow accidentally passed the test. Somehow, I accidentally gave him the secret handshake without realizing. Ah. Like, through our conversation, like because I, I said I was interested in Bitcoin, and we were talking about some of the issues with the you know kind of current financial system and advantage of this and that. So it was like, I accidentally said the password without realizing... And then he's like, all right, so this guy is he's like one of my people. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts talking and I realize like, oh, this guy has some really crazy ideas. <laughs> it's like you're talking to somebody and they get comfortable with you and you accidentally, like I said, it's almost like you give them the accidental secret handshake or password and it's like all of a sudden they say something like racist, <laughs> right? Because they, yeah. think, they think that you're on their side and you, you understand everything. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this um, this took a turn. Yeah, that's, that's happened to me a few times. So I think I think there's a couple of reasons why some people get into this situation. Like from, from our point of view of somebody's telling you a crazy story, a crazy conspiracy. And you, you did hit a note that you kind of passed the secret test and then you become the a person to, to talk to. There are a couple of ways that I've tried to like get out of it. The by not not really saying much, just kinda of awkwardly just being there and just listening. I take the stance of listening and not really saying very much. Cause one once once it gets to that point of okay, this is weird, I don't wanna say something and have the person lose their mind. And that and maybe I'm taking taking it too far, but that's that's the fear in the back of my mind. Especially if they say something that's really racist or pretty bad that shows me something I don't want to be a part of. The one time this... I, I can't remember exactly what the person was telling me, but I got to the point, of, okay, this... I've got, I, I got to somehow get out of here and disengage in this. 
And I was actually on my way to the restroom and I said, hey, I got to go. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll chat later. And then it just dissolved everything. I was like, I thought, that's pretty good. Doesn't work all the time because I, I, I one time did try that out. And the person was like, oh, okay, I'll just walk with yeah. you. <laughs> so that, back, that backfired pretty quick. But anyway, back to the the thing about the conspiracy uh, or someone telling you something wild and yeah, I never know how to act. It's always just so awkward. There was one other person where I forget. I you know, my memory is fairly, I forget exactly what we were talking about. I think it was someone somewhere wrong, uh, religious related. I think the thing that I said that triggered this was, I think in terms of religion, there's things in that have similar uh, similarities between all religions that have some common ground and there's a little bit of overlap here and there. I think that was the tipping point. Cause like, yeah, they're similar. They should be just make them all the same and then basically create a religious standard. And then each time after somehow disengaging by either being quiet or some other external distraction, the next time I would see that person, that's all that ever want to talk about. Oh, that's, that's the worst. It's just weird because now you're like, oh, what do I do? Because now... This is the worst possible situation in a number of ways because <laughs> it's the person in that middle ground where you don't have the comfort with to be totally honest with them. Yeah. And it's not a stranger who you're never going to see again. This is like a, some person yeah. who you loosely know who you're going to see over and over again. And then also the topic, the topic is like not technically a conspiracy theory or some debunkable thing instead it's just like this weird pet idea yeah i guess yeah it's not a conspiracy it's just something that they want to happen or think is a good idea someone they're desperately looking to talk with (laughs) yeah they're looking Uh. for validation of this idea and they desperately have wanted for so long someone to just talk to you about it and then you passed this accidental test and so now he thinks that you want to talk about this all the time. Yeah, it's just one of those got yourself in a bad situation. The only way to solve that problem is me moving out of the state. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. What's a little hard to confront is that, you know, upon reflection, I bet there are times where I have done this to people myself, <laughs> where I have been the lunatic. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I mean, I... I shouldn't even say I bet, like I know for a fact that there are times when, because there are some things that I feel really strongly about and that I could talk at length about, obviously, which is why, you know, we got into this podcast thing as an outlet for that. But I know there are times when I've, someone has accidentally tripped a thing in my brain and it's like, now I'm just going to totally unload all of this stuff. And I feel like I'm pretty good at recognizing when someone's just not interested because usually it's like they totally disengage and they're not saying anything and it's like oh i think i probably overdid this and it's like something that i i could easily do about something like the privacy thing right so somebody makes one offhand comment to me about something being creepy or whatever and then i could go on this huge rant and from my opinion all these concerns are totally legitimate, factual, and all this stuff. 
But I totally get that from an outside observer, this is like tinfoil hat stuff. Yeah. Like some of the things that I talk about. I guess having a couple of these interactions with other people lately has me a little bit more sensitive to that. Like maybe I need to be more careful in how I advocate to other people and that I don't want to come off like this raving lunatic. That's the worst. When you, when you realize that you're the raving lunatic, that's not a good, it's not a good feeling. It's like, Oh, I'm I'm the crazy person in this situation. Cause yeah, you, once you get into something that you're, that you feel strongly about or you're passionate about, you want to talk about it more and sometimes it's hard to have that radar to see, okay, is this the right time, place, and crowd? It's also, I, th- I think it's worse that you know that you are because if you don't know, it doesn't really hurt you. Oh, that's true. Kind of an ignorance is bliss situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you if you somehow figure out that, oh man, I'm the maniac or the... The, the weird ones like then it stings yeah it's even worse in a group when you've got the person who goes off on something because then you can even like look at each other and and it's like there's a mutual like not a word is spoken but just through body language it's it's another one of these just like social failings of like everybody knows that this one person is like embarrassing themselves and nobody's able to just speak out and say like, hey, you need to recalibrate, man, because everybody who's listening to you is, is like slowly dying inside. <laughs> I wonder if there's other ways besides disengaging. Like, what is the appropriate way to, to handle that situation? Your hope would be if you totally just disengage, then the other person would pick up on it. But so many people are like socially illiterate and... They just don't get it. And it's almost worse that your your silence is almost worse in some sense because you're just allowing them more breathing room to keep talking. Maybe it's best to try and pivot the subject into something else, back towards reality. I don't know. Like your, your I need to go to the restroom is a little overt. Is there a way to try and right the ship? Because one, I mean, the whole time you're talking, they can't be saying crazy stuff. So that's an advantage of you talking again so if it's possible to re-engage but then steer the ship back to land maybe that's the thing to do to keep these notes in my back pocket for the next time yeah i'll try and experiment uh the next time i I have this happen (laughs) to me because i know it inevitably will yeah i mean i guess if you're the adventurous type and this is like a one-off deal where you know you're not going to see the person again why not just go along for the ride, you know? See what happens. Yeah, that's another option. Just let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes and just totally buy into everything that they're saying and just see how crazy it gets. That's for the, I guess that's a strategy for the adventurous types is, hey, if I'm going to be on this ride anyways, let's just make the most of it and turn this into the best story possible. I think that's the equivalent of throwing your hands up on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. In the last episode, we uh, spent a little bit of time talking about the concept of reviewing people. When you were selling stuff on the Facebook Marketplace and you you got uh, some some bad feedback because the person you were trying to sell something to was crazy, essentially. And I mentioned this Yelp for people concept, which was something that had come up 
now and again as a way of just reviewing people in general. And I also mentioned this episode of the show Black Mirror, which you can watch on Netflix called Nosedive, which is kind of like this dystopian take on it where there's this social rating system which just has infiltrated all of modern life essentially and it's like when you're doing it doing anything like renting a car they look at your social reviews your your ranking and use that to decide whether or not to rent with you and like what rate to charge you and all that kind of stuff uh we'll, we'll include a link in the show notes but i saw a story about this where basically china is trying to implement that exact system <laughs> and they call it social credit and it's it's essentially that episode of black mirror but in real life and it was pretty pretty wild to watch and i i had heard about this a, a while back that china was thinking about trying to implement something like that or experimenting with it and at the time i didn't hear too many details about it there were just rumors but it seems that they are like legitimately trying to implement this this system See, my recommended order here would be, if possible, if you have Netflix, watch Nosedive first, and then uh, watch this this video, you know, some interviews that they're doing with people living in these pilot cities in China that are starting to implement it. And I can't even imagine having my every social interaction like judged and graded because I feel like so often I don't even know what the what to do, and I can just imagine myself getting hammered on these. <laughs> This social credit system, we're not doing the correct thing. How many points would my score have been knocked down for like refusing to fist bump that guy, right? Yeah, probably a lot. It's like, this, this is what's at stake here is, you know, I'm riding on an airplane and I get up to go to the bathroom when the Zippo light is on. Minus 50 off your social credit. Or well, if you don't put your phone away, that that's a big one. That's 100. Do you actually gain points or is it mainly you start off with some number and then that you do things that go down like well, what what can you do to make your number not go down no it goes it goes up and down so here's here's where it gets weird to think about is it's actually in some ways not that dissimilar from what we already have in the west as well which is just credit just delete the social word just credit right you you have a credit score whether or not you opt into it, whether or not you want one, there's no way to remove yourself from the credit score system. There are three different big credit uh, companies who keep track of all of this data about you and there's nothing you can do about it. And based on how much money you owe and different loans you have and all this kind of stuff, they pass a judgment on you of like, how good of a, a person are you to lend money to and how trustworthy are you? It's actually more similar than we would want to admit. <laughs> <laughs>